0: Hello to Melissa Vincenti from Worldwide Migration Partners, and we are very happy to welcome you onto the Humans at Work podcast today. So thank you for being one of our guests. Um, this series that we're doing on our podcast is focused on CEOs, business leaders, and business owners, and we're having conversations all around leadership, culture, and the future of work. So again, a massive welcome to you, Melissa, for coming on our podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me this morning. So maybe if you can kick off just with the basics, tell us who
0: you are, what you do, what your business is all about and what your role in it is. That's a
1: four question question. now i have to concentrate and remember all four parts to remind me um so as you said my name is melissa vincenti i'm the founder and current managing director of worldwide migration partners Um, we are a legal services migration firm Uh, this firm was started about five years ago after a period of time where i actually worked at some other large immigration firms in australia And really found that it wasn't fulfilling my career ambitions or my work, what I wanted to do with with my workplace. And so for quite some time, I thought about how I might be able to create a firm that gave me the balance in my life that I wanted. And if I wanted it, I also knew that other people would want it as well. So we actually handle both U.S. migration. I'm a U.S. immigration attorney and Australian migration. So we're quite unique in that case. And I'm also a migration agent, so I'm duly qualified. So we have a unique space in the migration space here in Australia. We're the only firm that does concentrate on both and have uh, professionals working in both fields. So that's how we started about five years ago.
0: Okay. Beautiful. I'm really interested in you just expanding a little bit. Um, I love it when I hear stories of people starting their own businesses so that it can really serve them well and help with their own work-life balance, et cetera. So can you tell us what you might do on a day-to-day basis that allows you to have that balance that you desire from a workplace point of view?
1: I think the first thing to remember is you have to have the desire to really make it work. It's it's for a long time for me. It was a vision of something that I had wanted in my own life, uh, in my own career, and I kept taking steps toward having that balance. For me, that's a balance with an integration with my family. Um, I have a almost fifteen year old son. He's going to be fifteen year old fifteen years old tomorrow. And um, and not just that, but also with what I wanted to accomplish um, uh, in, in my life, more beyond my career. So having that balance uh, spiritually uh, with my work, um, with other desires that I had in my own life. So I had had my own firm in Hawaii for a decade, um, which was not balanced. I worked in litigation. I was involved in several large, very... Um, intense cases that took me away from my family. And it was just the realization through that. And that was during my thirties and early forties. It was a realization at that time that uh, I was putting my clients above everyone else because they needed me. It was a very uh, hard situation for my clients. Um, And I just recall, I had such a uh, moment in my life where I came home one night and realized I hadn't seen my infant son for approximately five days because I had been leaving before he got up. And I was coming home after he had been to bed. And that just was that moment in my life where I thought this cannot be my life. And I was dedicated to the law. I was dedicated to my clients. But that balance wasn't there at all. Mm -hmm. So that's where I started to get the idea of coming to Australia. My husband had lived here um, when he was in high school. Just to have that change, to change it up completely, um, to change our family structure, to change where we were in the world And just to almost have a fresh start, that was back in, uh, we had the idea in 2010, and in 2012 is when we arrived in Australia. So it was a very conscious move on my part to change my career. still in law, but um, to just change where the direction was going. It would have been easy to continue doing what I was doing. I was getting a lot of career satisfaction out of cases that I had been working on. But then I found that's not the reason I had a family. (laughs) My career was not the motivation of why I had a child and why we had a family. So Mm -hmm. we really did change our lives by selling everything um, and moving the three of us to Australia in 2012.
0: And how did you find that? I can imagine it's given you a lot, a lot of empathy for your clients because you understand what it's like just to move to another country with probably not much support around you. But how did you find the commercial side of that, setting up a business in an environment that you're unfamiliar with?
1: Yeah, that was scary because I had had my own firm in the US and I always presumed, oh, because I've done it, done it for years. Um, oh, this will be easy. Um, it's been a huge education. So in the beginning, the first couple of years, I actually worked at a a, a very large law firm. I learned a lot from that experience. I, I I learned a lot about how that legal space looked like in Australia. And so I just took it all in. I just took all that information in. I also learned what I didn't want in my firm, what I, what things that I saw, not that they were bad. But in terms of what, how I always connected with my clients, even in my practice back in Hawaii, I wanted to continue that same practice here. And I couldn't do that with the particular firms I was working with. So that was one of my prime motivations to start my own firm, was that I could give the client a certain experience, a heartfelt experience, but yet still remain professional. Because that's what I always expected when I had questions about my own immigration coming to Australia but also is how I connected with my clients previously um, from the heart always. And there is room for that in law, surprisingly enough. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't think that's the case. Some <laughs> <It, laughs> Sometimes I have to say my clients find it very funny because we will start talking about their immigration matter or whatever matter. We end up talking about family, love lives. Um, because that's, <laughs> that's what I find so fascinating about my work is that I really do get into people's lives. It's not just a transaction, but I'm really interested in what motivates people to start their own business. Why are they going to the States or why are they coming to Australia? What are their hopes and dreams? I That's why I'm in this business is because I've lived it myself, like you said. I actually was that person that was, I was biting my nails the day before we moved to Australia because our visa hadn't been approved yet. And I was going to work for an immigration firm. So that tells you, even in that environment. (laughs) It's always down to the wire, huh? (laughs) It was down to the wire the matter of 24 hours. So I've lived it. And I think that's what my clients can really relate to is because I'm, I'm not just telling them a story. It's like, I've been there. I know what it's like to pack up your house. I know what it's like to move to another country, move to a new job. We had no family in Australia. You know, we really didn't want to have a new experience. And I can understand that motivation in my clients. So I love hearing about their businesses and how And I learned so much. I learned so much about what people are doing because they're creating these amazing businesses and they're creating these, uh, you know, new opportunities for their families. And I just can sink my teeth into that. I love it.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. So tell us in your in your startup of your business in a new country that you had never been to or had you actually been here? I had visited but not lived here. You'd visited area. but you'd never yeah. lived here. Just tell us what you've found in terms of the most effective leadership style that you have had to deploy in order to make all of those things in your world work together. How would you that your leadership?
1: Yeah, that's interesting because I'm also American. I'm a dual citizen now um but being an american is is different. um i come from a very different way of leadership from what i've seen. it's not bad or good or anything like that. it's just who i am. and i never tried to hide who i was. so i never tried to pretend that i was a certain kind of leader. i i again lead from the heart. that's apparent. um and um the way that i've set up my business is that is Recently I read something about entrepreneurs talking about their business. And one of the comments was, You should never start a business if you can't treat your employees fairly by either wages or the benefits or other things. Then you're you don't deserve to have that business. Then that then it's not a model that can work. Mm. And I've always felt that in my heart that when we've grown the business to the point of now we have eight employees, each time we decided to add an employee or add a service or something, I really thought about financially, how that was going to affect us, not my bottom line, um, but just how that was going to integrate into the business. But giving that person a worthwhile work experience, that's always at the top of my mind. If I'm going to overwork them or make it an unbearable workspace or whatever it is, because that's going to help the bottom line, it wasn't worth it to me or it's not worth it. It's mm-hmm. better that I work extra hours and I put in the time rather than putting that burden on other people. So that was one of the key things that I use as we kept building our business. And it started with my husband and I, uh, five years ago, you know, he's, uh, my, uh, it guy and my, um, Uh, manager and so we worked together first couple months and it was like we started from that base (laughs) Mm. and so from there we kind of came with the philosophy is if I can't do the work and I'm not willing to do the work then I don't have the right or the desire to hire someone to do that to to do that work so
0: I mean it's very aligned with the being more human philosophy because you're talking about humans first you know absolutely about the motivation for business not being about profit, although profit is obviously something that's important. It's not the most important thing. And I love that because more and more around we're seeing businesses and leaders like you who believe in people, purpose, profit, planet, type businesses. Mm-hmm. And I think that's fascinating because I think it's those businesses that are really going to lead the way in the future. What do you see in the future, either in terms of your own business and, and growth or challenges that might be on the board for you?
1: I think there's always, this has always been a challenge. is always going to be a challenge is to find people that will work with you that have similar philosophies, So not everyone is coming from this space with the same type of philosophy in terms of, um, you know, how we we all work remotely, by the way. So I should have prefaced that. We've always been a remote firm, which is quite unusual um, in this space since we started five years ago. So all of us work from home. That's always been the situation. Um, You know, we're all across Australia. We have also someone in the U.S. So it was managing people's expectations of that work environment first and foremost. But finding people that also kind of believed in our philosophy in the business of customers first, um, having that personal relationship with our our clients, um, as well as buying into this idea that, you know, there's eight of us, but we all support each other and we all understand that life comes first, not this work. And I say that constantly to my staff. Remember, work is not your life, okay? This is a way for you to have your life and how you want to design it. So if something comes up, and it's important to you, I'm fine with that. Like, that's more important than anything we have to do for our clients. And I know that sounds a little bit like a cliche, but I really mean it. So, you know, when there's been situations with um, our staff that's come up, always, always that comes first. There's never a situation where I think, oh, yeah, well, they haven't been able to put their hours in this week, so I'm gonna chastise them. No, no, that's not, because I, I don't live that way. So I don't put my family aside. I don't put certain things aside. Like I I was very ill a couple of months ago and I didn't put that aside, um, you know, for my staff. I was very transparent with them and said, Hey guys, I cannot work. I'm very, very sick. So I don't, it's trying, the challenge is making sure that we find people for our team that fit into that philosophy and we'll support each other in that philosophy. So, and I think we've done that successfully so far So not sure what the future will hold, but that's kind of where we're coming from.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's, it's always interesting to me. I think it's, to me, it's such a logical approach, what you're talking about. But as you're saying, it can be tough to find humans who work that way. And I would imagine, I live with a lawyer, so I would imagine even tougher to find lawyers who think that way and are happy to operate in that environment because of all their you know, well-being challenges in general. I think it's not—it's not an industry where you can pick from the most healthy person and go right. Bring all your ideas over to me. It's usually an industry where you have to work a lot on um, health and well-being and people prioritizing their own fitness, etc. So,
1: and I never understood that why why the legal industry has so many problems with that. It's because we come to a culture. That is so embedded with that thought that you know well-being and stuff should be put aside for your clients. Your client is always number one. I'm sorry, my clients are not number one. They're high on the list, and I will give them my full attention when I need to, but it's it's a fact that it's part of that legal culture and other industries too. But the legal culture is notorious for that.
0: Absolutely. Look, and I think also too, it's like I said to you before, I see more and more business owners probably I would say within the last five years or so, maybe a little bit longer than that, who really are having more of a holistic view about how they do what they do, what's important to them. And I know myself from running my own business, there's not a not a chance that I would choose to opt in to run my own business in a way that didn't work with my life. I would I would not be available for that for one second. So in fact, the biggest reason that I do um, run my own business is because I can work with who I want, when I want, in the way that I want, in the hours that I want, from whatever living room or cafe that I want.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. To
0: me, all of those things are important in my world. So um, maybe if you can just leave us with um, a few words of wisdom, Um, the globe has been through a big challenge with um, people experiencing covid if you could just really step back and take the bird's eye view, what would you say that you think is important for people to focus on right now?
1: Oh, that's easy. Cause I think about this every single day after I wake up and have that moment, that reflection moment is kindness and understanding those two things. And again, that sounds like a little bit of a cliche, but in the moment that people start to panic about, things. um, And we all can see now through this particular crisis, everybody handles stress differently. Um, And so in in one way, I've seen that over the years when you have your own business and when you have business partners or you have other people you work with, you can see that in business that people handle stress in different ways. And so you have to respond to them from those, that understanding that my stress, I'm under a tremendous amount of stress, But I handle it in a much different way than, say, one of my staff or somebody else or a client, even. And so we've had to respond to a lot of client stress, as you can imagine, being separated from families, being, you know, the unknown. It's a tremendous amount of stress, and I'm sympathetic. And so I try to respond with kindness and understanding. And so if there's one thing that I think we can learn out of this experience, whether it's dealing with staff or clients, is that that should be the root of our response, is kindness and understanding, even when it seems ridiculous. Even when a client is yelling at you, asking you why I can't get my visa, why I can't leave the response should be with kindness and understanding, because again, their journey, their stress is much different from how other people may react. So I think that's one of the things usually when we see stress in people, um, it's at a different rate because someone may have stress at home or some may have stress at work or uh, the stress of a move. Now we all have an underlying stress. We all have concerns about our health and the health of our family. So we all have this baseline that we're working from. So you can just presume that everyone has some level of stress, but if we can respond, um, you know, whether it's to each other on our team, um, in our staff or to our clients is that kindness and understanding.
0: Absolutely. And I couldn't think of a better way to wrap up our conversation. And I also feel like I could have talked to you for a very long period (laughs) of time. I could have gone um, in all kinds of directions in terms of questions that I wanted to ask you. So I just wanted to reach out and say a massive thank you for sharing part of yourself and part of your story on the Humans at Work podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to listening to all your other podcasts now. Cheers. Thanks,
0: Melissa.